0: Psalm 16, in verse 11. Psalm 16, in verse 11. I am so thankful all the men still made it in today after all the events and activities yesterday. What a great time that was, men. Psalm 16, in verse 11. The Bible tells us, Thou wilt show me... Would you read the next few words together, the next four words? The path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The promise there is that God gave to David was that God was going to continue to reveal to him the path of Do you ever need direction in life? Do you ever need a little bit of guidance? We all need it. We need guidance from the word of God. And the promise here is, he says, thou wilt show me the path of life. God is going to reveal to us and open up to our eyes the path and the way in which he wants us to go. And it's speaking there of a path. The words are speaking of a path of life that is ...like you're heading towards a bright light at the end of the tunnel. You can see the way through the tunnel. You know the reason why people get discouraged? The reason why people get depressed? As we sang just a moment ago, why am I discouraged? Why do the shadows come? Sometimes the shadows come. You know why? Because we're looking at the side of the pathway. I was very impressed with Grant's ability to walk without shoes the last two days... I have not yet mastered the ability to walk down a creek in flip-flops with just my socks or hike up the side of a mountain with thorns all over it. That's not something that I aspire to do, but he did it. And uh, with such courage, and I was like, wow, I was very impressed. And, uh, and made it to church today, too. I was very impressed. And uh, I was wearing boots, and I was uh, not excited about some of those rocks. I was feeling them. I can't imagine how it was with those flip-flops. But you know what? The path of life, sometimes we get distracted by the, the bumps in the road. And we get discouraged, and we get our eyes off Jesus He says, thou wilt show me the path of life. God's going to continue to reveal to us the direction in which we need to go. And he says, in thy presence. Speaking of the very presence of the almighty God. You know that peace in life is not being out of the storm. It's having God with you in the storm. And too many times we want out. uh, People are looking for an escape. And, and the truth is, God wants us to stay in his will. And if you, t- if you study the Bible characters, they went through a lot of pressure. God wants us to stay in his will. He says, in thy presence is, he says, fullness of joy. There's so much in those words right there. Speaking of the great excitement and satisfaction. The full satisfaction that can only come from the very presence of God, He says, "At Thy right hand are pleasures." And when you think of pleasure, we think of something we enjoy right now. Speaking of eternal pleasure, He's th- speaking of something that we've never yet fully understood. In Thy presence, He says, "There are pleasures, eternal delight, forevermore." Because see, the direction is forward. Too often we're living our life for right now, and He says, "I want you to live life direct- with the direction forward." Do you ever wonder what God wants you to do next? What's God's will? Those words, the will of God, are thrown around a lot. But the will of God is clear, it's direct, it's concise, it's never like a cloud... If there's a muddy cloud in your mind, should I do this decision or not? That's not God's will. God's will is clear. God's will is direct. And it's always leading us to greater uh, greater involvement, serving him and helping others find Christ. When God led my wife and I here to Granville five years ago, this was one of the verses the Lord used in my life to help me. One of the the verses the Lord used to help solidify God's direction. Now, I don't read in this verse where it says Granville, New York. Thou wilt show me. Granville, New York. Thou wilt show me. See, too often we're looking, Lord, just open up the heavens. May there be people with the right feelings in the right place. And we're all about feelings and we lead a life by feelings. And you know what? Feelings change. Feelings come and go. Don't follow your feelings. Living in the will of God is far greater than that. God's will does not change because of our circumstances. God reveals his direction as we obey the will he's already revealed to us. Four times in the Bible, you see specifically what the Christians are commanded to do in terms of the will of God. This is the will of God. One of those is to abstain from fornication. The other one is to really, uh, the the other ones I have forgotten at this present moment. Um, I had them all in my mind memorized, but I've forgotten them. But the will of God is that we walk in his will, pleasing him, the will he's already revealed to us. And we will understand it better by and by. Thou wilt show me the path of life. We often talk about God's will as a specific time or location. We say, I knew this was God's will, and then what happens? A year later, five years later, we say, I'm not sure if it was God's will. And we vacillate between, was this God's will? I thought it was back here, and now I see God's will is a continual direction moving forward. Look, whenever we wander off, we need to come back to his will. Now, God still takes a circumstance when we wander off and he can still direct us back because he already knew that we were going to go there and he was going to redirect us and his will continues moving us forward. Don't allow your mistakes to, to define your future. God's will is not defined by a specific situation. It is a life of dependence upon God. He says, thou wilt show me the path of life. He did not say the Calvary Baptist Church was going to show you the path of life. He did not say your parents were going to show you the path of life. He did not say some person is going to show you the path of life. He said he was going to do it. And aren't you thankful God is faithful? If, even if you've known God to be faithful, we just say amen? amen. He is faithful. He is faithful. And often we just fail to listen to the instructions. On this Father's Day, I thank God for a, uh, a, the good father he has been to me. I thank God for all the dads in this room. I thank God for men who are seeking God and men who are willing to step out, try to lead your family forward. There are so many times I need the direction of God, and we've all been in places where we need clear direction. And as this morning, as we move forward as a church, I'd like us to see a few places in this passage where it challenges and how it challenges us to live in the will of God. First, living in the will of God is a place of faith. Living in the will of God is a place of faith. Look at what he says in verse 11. Thou wilt show me. He doesn't say you already showed me the path of life. He says you're going to reveal to me what I need to do. Too often we spend 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, however long it is, we spend years, months, Lord, just show me your will and I'll go do it. God steers moving ships, not parked ships. Now, if you need to park to get redirection because you're headed the wrong way, that's okay. You might be heading the wrong way. Lord, help me. And you park for a moment, get the anchor down. Then you head back the right direction. But my friend, often we lead our life and we're saying, Lord, show me your will and then I'll go that way. He says, I want you to do what I've already commanded you to do. And we ought to walk in the obedience to the will of God that he's already revealed through his word. Before, we just uh, want, we want the special will. Lord, if you just give me a special plan for my life, you're each a special person. You are unique. And God has a unique, none of us are alike. Now, we might look a little bit alike. Um, We might have similarly receding hairlines, okay? But, I mean, uh, we we each are unique. We're each distinct. And my friend, God has given us each a purpose, so we're not trying to copycat somebody else. We ought to be like Christ. And God doesn't show us his will until we're willing to trust him. Lord, show me your will, but until then, I'm going to do my own will. Right? Don't we do that sometimes? I've got a great plan for my life. Lord, if you'd like, you can come along for the ride. No, he says, thou wilt show me. So it's a life of faith. It's a place of faith. Too often, we think it's God's will for this person or that person to be in our life. That might not be God's will. We need to follow the will of God. And we often speak of God's will as some mystical plan. I just felt like it was God's will. I felt like some things were God's will many, many times and they weren't. Sometimes we're just trying to figure it out instead of walking by faith. Would you stop figuring it out today? Faith doesn't operate in the realm of the known, but in the realm of the unknown. A place of faith. Man, it was a great opportunity together. Uh, Believing God that we'd be able to do that together, and then God gave us great weather, didn't he? The rain held off until the last man left, and about five minutes after the last guy pulled out, it started sprinkling on me. Okay, That was the way it went. It was perfect. The weather was perfect. I tell you, God has a way of working all things out if we will trust him. Over in Burma, Adoniram Judson was lying in a jail, sitting in this disgusting place with 32 pounds of chains about his ankles. His feet were tied to a bamboo pole. A fellow prisoner said to him, knowing that his purpose was to lead souls to Christ, Dr. Judson, what is the prospect of the heathen in this area being converted with a sneer in his face, he asked. The instant reply was the prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. If you or I were tied in a jail cell to a bamboo, bamboo pole with that much chains on us, would we still have a little bit of optimism and faith? A little bit of optimism and faith, believing that God will work it out. God wants each of us to come to a place of total faith, believing he's big enough to lead us. You know, sometimes... The reason we wander is because we don't think God's big enough. Don't think God's big enough. Tell you, God is big enough. Uh, God is big enough to lead us. God was big enough to lead me to Bible college. God was big enough to let me finish Bible college as a single guy who was desperate because nobody would hire me, okay? Nobody would hire me as a single guy. They said you can't be a pastor if you're single. And God was wise enough to send me. ...to the right place at the right time. I went down with one of our missionaries to El Salvador... ...and was there for a month. And God sent me to the right place at a right time... ...so that I would go through the breakup I needed to go through. So I'd come back... ...and my wife, who I had met... ...but I had not really dated... ...so that we could a few months later start to date. And then... ...God led her... ...to get a job in Baltimore. And I was still in California... And I was a little bit confused and frustrated at that point because I said, "We just, Lord, we just started dating, and now she got hired, and I'm not hired out there. How are we going to do this? And wouldn't you know it, two weeks later, I got hired there, and I got asked to be a Spanish pastor, which was something I had dreamed to do. And we got to move there and then get engaged and married. And then God had already begun to direct And through that, God showed me that the Hispanic calling was really not the thing that I thought it was and that God wanted me to head up this direction and God opened this path. See, sometimes we... I'll tell you, if you would have asked me seven years ago that I'd be living in the the Northeast, okay? I didn't... And my wife often asks me, she says, did you ever dream of having three girls? No. That was not... I didn't know. I always thought I would have a little boy first, okay? That's just the way I thought it was going to be. And so God reveals his will to us. But I will tell you, the sweet little girls made me sweet cards. and They gave them to me this morning. And uh, many of you have been blessed by those cards, and they thanked you for things you've given them. And uh, they, are, they are in the business of writing thank you cards and things always. And thank God for my sweet little girls. And uh, they, they bring much joy to my heart a place of faith. you got to trust God. God's bigger than your circumstances. And you know, God sent me to a place where I couldn't control the circumstances. Uh, God sent me to a place down in Central America I knew that was his will. So I could be there for a month so that God could do things for me that I needed him to do for me. And I remember the basketball court in Brother Friedenstein's. Uh, property uh, over there where he he lives. There's a basketball court in that complex. I remember going out there, soccer soccer court, soccer basketball court, and I remember going out there, and I remember that time meeting with God several hours in prayer that night because I was frustrated. I thought I had messed up my life. I thought I was, I thought I think everything was going to fall apart. But you know what? God just had some redirecting to do. Thou wilt show me the path of life. See, it's a place of faith. Sometimes we need to get away from our circumstances, and for, for us this weekend, as men being away, really, it was a, a way we could pull away, maybe get a little bit of redirection, a place of faith. That place of faith is based on total trust. The Bible says in James chapter 1, and verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You ever know somebody, and maybe they'll tell you, One day they're doing this, the next day they're doing the opposite, and the next day they're back saying they're going to do this. And the plans keep changing, back and forth and back and forth, double-minded, double-minded. And you might say, hey, you're a little double-minded. Oh, no, I'm not double-minded. It's the guy down the street. No, total trust doesn't vacillate back and forth. It's depending upon God. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And then he says, lean not to thine own understanding. You say, I don't understand why they did that. That's right. I don't either. But God does. Isn't that great? God knows. That's total trust. So a place of faith is total trust. There was a child that was two years old with leukemia. And he was taken by his mother, Deborah, to Massachusetts General Hospital to see Dr. John Truman, who specializes in treating with kids with cancer. ...and blood diseases. Dr. Truman said he has a 50-50 chance. With countless clinical visits... ...with many blood tests... ...and all these different experimental drugs... ...the fear of pain and the mother's ordeal... ...can be almost as bad as the child's... ...but she must stand by. Unable to bear the pain herself. But David never cried in the waiting room... ...and though his friends at the clinic... ...had to hurt him and stick him with needles... ...he trusted and he continued... And he had a smile on his face, sure of the welcome he always got. When he was three, David had to have a spinal tap, a very painful procedure. He explained to him, he was explained to him he was very sick and he needed this help. Dr. Truman had to do something to make him better. If it hurts, remember he loves you. The procedure was absolutely horrendous. It took three nurses to hold the child down as he yelled and sobbed and struggled. When it was almost over, the tiny boy, soaked in sweat, looked up at the doctor and gasped. Thank you, Dr. Tooman, for my hurting. Would you describe your life like that when God has to stick a needle, a surgical needle in your life? Lord, thank you for my hurting because it helped me. Maybe today you need to thank God for some of your pain. Just one, as one must trust Christ alone to be saved, the life must continue to cultivate a walk of faith, total trust. It's also total obedience. Total trust and total obedience. This is faith. David says, thou wilt show me the path of life. It's not our path. It's his path. It's his way. Oftentimes, we want a life without guardrails. We want a path without directions. We want, we want to do our own thing, pave our own way. I need to just pave my own way in life. That is an unbiblical philosophy that comes from humanism. God shows us his way, and it's always in obedience and submission to the God-ordained plan for our life. God doesn't show us his way when we're not walking in obedience to the things he already gave us. Um, too many times a young man will say, I just want to pave my own way. I'm going to go off in the military and I'm just going to prove to everybody that I'm right. And what does he get there? He gets his head chopped. Okay, He gets told he's going to have to march in a line. He gets told you need to take all your stuff and move it over here move it over there. He gets told you need to march all these miles. Why? Because they're breaking down his will to make him into a man. And my friend, in the same way that the military does that to train men, because they know only men who have been trained and learned to obey will be good in battle. How do we expect, as a Christian, to not obey God ordained authorities, God ordained prescribed plans? We're not honor our parents. That's honoring our parents is by living a godly life. We've got to honor our parents if we're going to have the blessing of God. Doing God's will leaves us no place for disputing our own plans. We must come to a place of faith where the only voice we're listening to is God's. Would you take a moment this week and before you call your friend, hey, hey, what do you think about this? Before you go ask your parent, before you go ask your spouse, would you ask God first? Not just a flare prayer, but would you ask God, Lord, what would you have me to do? Would you turn with me to Micah chapter six, verse eight? Micah chapter six and verse 8, Micah 6 in verse 8, the Bible says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what did the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. He hath showed thee, he says, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. It's impossible to pour out all of God's blessings, for God to pour out all of his blessings in our life if we're full of other things like pride, jealousy, anger, bitterness or gossip or lying or cheating or slander. God can't show us his will if we're not clearly obeying ...what he's already taught us to do. It's total obedience. Total obedience. That's faith. Secondly, it's a place of fellowship. Because the Bible describes for us here in Psalms 16 and verse 11... ...the path of life, but then he speaks of the presence of God. He says... ...with the right people you'll have full joy. Is that what he says? But that's the way we live our life, right? If I'm with the right people, I'll be okay. If I marry the right person, if I hang out with the right people, if, I, if I'm born in the right family, you know, if I, if I live in the right town, if I work in the right job, it's amazing how many people think their boss is the, is the problem. But the same company, many other people are able to work 20 years with that same boss and get along just fine. Maybe it's not the boss that has the problem. He might have some problems, but he might not have all the problems that we think he has. A place of fellowship often we blame the circumstances but david says the fellowship is not with a friend not because we have the right job not because we have the right town we're living in not because we have the right car it's because we're eating the right food it's not because we went to the right doctor and he prescribed the right medication that's not what gives us joy he says no it's in thy presence too often we're getting the joy from everything else When the medication changes, the joy changes. When the friends change, the joy changes. When somebody passes away, now our joy changes. Uh, My friend, this is part of life. These seasons come and go in life, and God wants to give us consistent joy. He gives us comfort in the midst of difficulty. The presence of God is what gives us comfort, not the circumstances we find ourselves in. In thy presence is fullness of joy. It's a place of fellowship. God intended for the Christian life to be enjoyable. But you've probably met a few folks who claim to be a Christian, but they, their life was more like a porcupine than a Christian. Right? And uh, didn't you experience a porcupine quill the other day, Brother Sterling? And uh, I have never touched one like that. But I tell you, porcupines... And I know Brother John ran over one one time, right? And that did a big damage to his car. You guys have had experiences with porcupines. I've been blessed to not personally uh, encounter one other than seeing the quills on the ground or seeing them on the side of the road. Those things, my friend, are not things you want to mess with. But sometimes we can live our life, and if we're not careful, we can let the quills come out. We go in defense mode, just like the dog. What does the dog do? It's just its hair, but it stands up. The hair, it bristles up its hair. A cat will do similar things. They get all feisty. They want to fight. It's easy to do that. But the presence of God is different than that. It's a place of fellowship. And God intended for the Christian life to be enjoyable. Aren't you glad God intended for it to be enjoyable? Enjoyable. I mean, God does not want you and I to have a rough life in terms of a sad, discouraged life. Yes, we will have suffering, but not a sad, discouraged life. That's not the will of God. If you meet a Christian and they are more like a porcupine than like a lamb, um, than like a dove, yes, we ought to be wise like a serpent, but we ought to be harmless as a dove. Um, If they're more like that, maybe they just need to spend more time with Jesus. And if you're more like that, maybe you need to spend more time with Jesus. We often make it so complicated. If things don't seem to come your way, perhaps just a suggestion. you might be on the wrong road. You say, things in my life just aren't coming my way. It's working out for everybody. Just get on the right road. Lord, I want to be in a place of fellowship with you. Read about Jeremiah the prophet. I mean, he was in the will of God. But I seem to recall the man wrote the book of Lamentations. He lived his entire life as a pastor. Nobody would listen to him in the nation of Israel. They wouldn't hear a thing he said uh, because the nation had rejected God but yet Jeremiah had fellowship with God, and he found joy from God. The Christian life is two-dimensional. It's both vertical and horizontal. But if our relationships horizontally will be right, we must have the vertical relationship correct with God. First John 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have... Does it say we'll have contention with one another? says we'll have fellowship with one another. I thank God for that verse. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. I'm thankful for the fellowship God gives. And to say God is light means that there is nothing that God does not know about us or nothing God does not know about in this world. And morally, light speaks of the holiness and the perfection of God. It is a place of fellowship. When light comes in, darkness goes away. And you realize in heaven... There will be no darkness. It'll be perfectly bright. It'll be perfectly beautiful all the time. There'll be no sin. There'll be no corruption. There'll be nothing that defiles. And I thank God for that. And you'll only have holy thoughts in heaven. You know Christ. You put your faith in Christ. I tell you, my friend, there is hope. There is joy in heaven. And right now on this earth, we can have a place of fellowship with God. It's enjoyable. Thy presence is, he says, fullness of joy. Now, our culture looks for joy in everything, doesn't it? Satisfaction and joy, our culture says, comes from the things and comes from experiences. My friend, it does not come from that. It comes from God in his presence. He speaks of this fullness of joy. It's talking about a complete joy. It is fun to be in the will of God. And being out of his will is miserable. You say, if we're in the will of God, should we walk around and tell everybody we're in the will of God? No. We should walk in humility. If we know we're in the will of God, we should keep it quiet to ourselves. And if you're in the will of God, it's very easy to get out of the will of God. So if you keep it quiet to yourself, and you know between you and God everything's okay, and then something comes up and you go, hmm, doesn't seem right. Instead of having boasted about that you think you're in the will of God... You've walked humbly with God. And now when something comes up, you go, "Uh uh-oh, I just fell off to my own way a little bit. Lord, help me get back. And God redirects you. And you don't have to go back to your friend and humble yourself because you exalted yourself among your friends. It's enjoyable. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. There are unstable times in life. There are times in which you will feel nervous, you will feel frustrated, and that is when God gives his peace if you'll keep your mind fixed on Jesus Christ. And look, if you don't know Christ, you've got to put your faith in him. You've got to come to him like a child. You've got to run to daddy. On this Father's Day, would be a great day to run to Jesus if you haven't ran to his arms. You run to him in full faith. You put your faith completely in the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for you. It's not saying a prayer. It's not being baptized that saved you, my friend. It is putting your faith in the Holy Spirit perfect, sinless Son of God, and trusting that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he alone is the way to salvation. If you've not done that, you need to put your faith in Christ, for Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. And when you put your faith in him, when we put our faith in him, he then keeps our mind as long as we stay focused on him. In order to be fathers uh, and men of faith, we must stay focused on the Lord. It's impossible to truly fellowship with with someone when you are not focused on them. So we ought to remove the distractions. Let Christ be the very center of our attention in life. The center of our attention. Would Would you think about the amount of hours you had this last week? How much of that time was alone with God, enjoying his company? Enjoying His presence. When you got in the truck, you say, "I don't have much time." Maybe you wake up really early and you're going to work or doing this and that. Would you take that time when you're driving to think about the Lord and to fellowship with Him? Would you take the time when you're driving to even turn on maybe an app on a phone, or you can put in some something that will you can listen to the Bible and hear God's Word. Would you take maybe five minutes to read the daily devotional book that we've given out and maybe read that before you get in the car? As you're thinking about that food to grab, to take, or whatever you're doing, thou wilt show me the path of life. God reveals his will as we listen to his word. It's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. It also does something great it brings satisfaction. There are very few things in life that bring satisfaction. Um, because, you know what? We enjoy something in life and then quickly it fades away, right? You might enjoy a new paint job, but quickly the paint fades. You might, en- uh, you might enjoy various activities, but quickly you can't be able to do them any- or those things anymore. But the presence of God brings satisfaction. In verse 8, David says in Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. You say, was David being proud, saying God's sitting there and he's controlling God? No, no, no. He's saying the Lord is so close to me, he's right here. He's right here. When you have the hand of God on your life, those around you will figure it out. And they'll come to you for the questions because they'll see the peace, the satisfaction you have. It brings lasting fulfillment. You and I will be more happy doing God's will... ...than our own will. Too often we're focused on doing our own will... ...and we ought to pray like Jesus... ...not my will, but thine be done. Jesus Christ came with one purpose. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. But the very holy, perfect, sinless Son of God... ...when He's in the garden... ...getting ready to go to die on the cross... ...He didn't say, now... ...by the way, disciples... ...I'm going to pray to God right now... ...because... It's all about me right now. This is my time. This is my show. He didn't say that. He got on his knees. And as he prayed. Father, not my will, but thine be done. We had an interesting conversation this week. We encountered some folks in the community, didn't we? Who are Jehovah's Witnesses. And they were kind to let me know they were Jehovah's Witnesses, and we had a pleasant conversation. By the way, when you know people are of a completely different mindset in regards to who Jesus Christ is, you don't go into that with a fighting spirit. And I just said to them, I said, I do not want to fight about these issues. And Sterling was with me, and we were making some visits. And I said, we just want to... We were just talking, and they brought some things up, and I just asked them, I said, who do you believe Jesus is? Because I already know the answer to their question. And uh, we were able to just share with them a few verses. Now, we did not change their mind. They did not change our mind. I just asked them, how did you come to that conclusion? Because I knew they misinterpreted Scripture to come to the conclusion that Jesus is not God. Because if you recall the Pharisees, this is where I just very... Gently, we kept coming back, and it was a very cordial conversation. The Pharisees said of Jesus that he was blaspheming because he forgave people's sins. Because if you understand Old Testament law, only God can forgive sins. If Jesus forgave sins, which he did, and if somebody's going to claim that Jesus is not God... Then they are saying that Jesus is imperfect because he sinned. Okay? And they, they're not really to understand that. Because if Jesus said, only God can forgive sins, and he, he forgave people's sins, all right? We know he did. He said to the woman, thy sins be forgiven thee. All right? I mean, John chapter 8, a woman comes to him caught in a very active adultery, and he says, go and sin no more. And Jesus forgave her on the spot. Jesus healed. Only God can do those miracles that He did. And it was interesting to me, by the way, uh, you look at the passages like, "I and my father are one. You can't be one with somebody unless uh, you're God. All right? And so we are adopted, my friend, and made heirs of the kingdom of God, but Jesus alone is. Jesus is God, and God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. I was talking with somebody the week earlier, and they told me they didn't believe the Holy Spirit was God. I'm telling you, there's a lot of doctrines floating around today. You understand, God reveals himself to you through the still, small voice of his Holy Spirit. And if you remember, Jesus was there uh, when he got baptized. And at his baptism, the Father spoke from heaven... There was a, the spirit descended in the form of a dove, and the father said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. It is very clear throughout Scripture that Jesus is not just an angel, but that he is God. And only God can forgive sins. We had a very good, pleasant conversation to which we decided we were not going to convince each other of our conclusions But my friend, I did make one mention of something that I said, hmm, I said, well, one thing I do like about our churches is that we go to the Bible, because they said that they believed the Bible was the source of truth. And I said, we go to the Bible to preach our message. We go to the Bible to get the word of God and to to share God's word. We study it. And I said, the different thing about um, your organization, you guys have somebody who tells you worldwide what to say every week. If you didn't know that, the watchtower tells them what to say every week. I said, you have a small group of men controlling your minds. The entire world. And I just find that very interesting. We had a very pleasant conversation again. But you've got to understand, when you have a small group of people you've never met telling you what to think about this book, that is a very dangerous thing should one of them get into heresy. Okay? And that could, you get very easily misled, very easily swayed into diverse and strange doctrines. And I tell you, the Word of God is so clear about who Jesus is. He is God, and only God can forgive sins. A relationship with faith in Christ gives satisfaction. You do not have to win every argument, we don't have to win every debate, but we ought to be truthful. And we have to be understanding of the Word of God. By the way, the Bible says clearly that the 144,000 who will be at the end marked are going to be male Jews, 12,000 out of every tribe. Interesting, okay? If you study your Bible, that's exactly what it says. And so the Word of God is very clear I asked them, I said, so what's going to happen to everybody else? And they said, well, they're not going to get to go to heaven. They're just going to live here on the earth, and it's going to be made new. Well, and I read in in my Bible that Christians who put their faith in Christ are going to be worshiping God in heaven, period, not just a limited number. Thousands of ten thousands I read about. So we've got to take the word of God literally and believe it and follow the word of God, not just the opinions of men. You will be more happy doing God's will than doing our own will. The way of God and the way to find God's peace is to be completely depending upon him, to be constantly communing with him. A growing church is constantly in transition, following the faith Of the word of God. And I'm so thankful God's will is perfect. His path is clear. Our future is as bright as the promises of God. And this morning we ought to each examine our hearts. And say Lord show me any way. Show me any way which I may have strayed off in my own path. And Lord any lapse of faith. Lord help me confess it. Make it right. Any area I might be disobeying. Confess that too. Because God can only use us to the extent. That we're clean vessels. Fellowshiping with him. And to tell you the fellowship that we have. Is based upon faith. ...in the Son of God. Let's stand together for prayer this morning... ...and ask God to help us with these things. Thank you for watching by way of live stream... ...and close out the service at this time. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for the grace of God that brings salvation. We thank you, Lord, so much that Jesus died on the cross... ...for our sins. And we thank you, Lord, that you love every single one of us. Father, I pray that you would help many men and women... ...in this community and around the world... ...who are caught up in various cults... ...and various belief systems... ...that are founded on some of the word of God... ...but not all the word of God. And Lord, I pray that you would help us... ...to rightly divide God's word... ...to follow your word... ...to live in faith depending upon it... ...and not depending upon the opinions of men. Lord, I thank you so much... ...that you have given us all the word we need. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And Father, I pray that you would help us... ...that we might depend... ...upon your word, that we might rely upon it, that we might trust it. And Lord, if we trust it, we'll read it, we'll we'll get in it. Help us to get back in it, help us to stay in it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, that we might please you in every area of our life this week... ...trusting you and fellowshipping with you in total dependence upon your Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're going to do in our lives this morning. If we ask these things in Christ's name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed... Would you take a moment as the piano begins to play in just a moment, and would you respond to the Lord? We're going to have an altar call this morning. It's a chance for you to come forward to pray, to come ask God to help you, whatever area he's spoken to you about in your life. Maybe you're just sitting here, standing here in the room, and you'd say, Pastor Dan, would you remember me in prayer this morning? There's an area in my life I need prayer I need God's help. If that's you, would you slip your hand up to the God that sees and knows. I will remember you this week as well. Anyone else? Please pray for me, Pastor. Please pray for me. God sees your hearts. He sees each of our hearts. And I'm thankful He knows. I'm thankful He works. Would you take a moment to respond to the Lord as God leads you? Would you step out from your seat? Would you come forward? Would you pray for somebody that's lost, that needs Jesus, that God would help you to win them to Christ? Would you pray and ask Him for direction?